Good. All righty. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study, everyone. How's everyone doing? I hope you got a chance to enjoy our first taste of fall. You know, I love the changing of seasons in Michigan, but I can't enjoy anything more than the change from summertime to fall time. It's you get so much beauty when the leaves start to turn. You don't have to run your AC. You get to save money. It's it's wonderful. So, we are going to start off today in a word of prayer. So, if you would, go ahead and join me. Lord, thank you for bringing us all together today, Lord. I ask that you open my ears and open my heart to listen to the Spirit today, Lord. We want to thank you for everything that you're doing. We want to thank you for the abundance that you have brought into us. We want to thank you for the changing of the seasons today, Lord. Bless everybody who came here in person and who is listening online today, Lord. In your name, amen. So we are going to be, this is going to be a two-part series. Um, as most of you guys know, if you don't know, I love to talk, I love to teach, so my stuff tends to go a little bit longer, and we're touching on a very large subject today. We're going to be talking about how do we show the love of God to, to people, Brother Carl? How do we show the love of God to people? Well, lots of ways. One way is giving grace. That, that, is, that, that, that is very good. You know, he just hit two of my topics. One we'll get into next time and one we're going we're gonna to hit on today a little bit. So we'll go ahead and get started. We're going to start off with the most important commandment. You can find this in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. This is something that links between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So this is all out of... Um, New Living Translation. This is Luke 10, chapter 25 through 27. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking, asking this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Then the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I've been in, I've been studying love for the past, oh, since I started getting back into the church. God keeps just looping me back into it. It's, it's ever growing. I'm always finding out new things about it. But it always, it always stood out to me that you love God first, then you love the, other, then you love others. And so that's basically where we're going to start off today. We're going to go through, um, I'm sorry, I forgot I had the clicker, you guys. It was one second here. Want me to go back there? Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, Brother Carl. Sorry, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty. You know, the enemy likes to play with our electronics around here to make, make things. Hey, little hiccups and whatnot, but that's all right. It just gives us a little more time to talk and explain on some other things. So, you know, I always found it very interesting when I would read about love. You would always see love God first and then everything else will follow. And so I, I went ahead and pulled up just a couple of the scriptures that talk about, talk about love um, inside, of, inside of the Bible. All right, go ahead and go to the next one, Brother Carl. 
Alrighty, so in Luke chapter 6. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And then in John chapter 13. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other for love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And that is a very powerful statement right there. If we break that statement down, your love for one another, not your love for me will prove that you are disciples. Not your love for, for yourself will prove, but your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. And so we see, we see very early on in the, um, in the Gospels that it's a very repetitive theme. Love one another. Love your enemy. Do good to them. And we can even go back into the Old Testament where this is very predominant, where we get into a lot of the stories, a lot of the parables. We can look at the Good Samaritan. We can look at Ruth. We can look at all of these examples of showing love to one another. Go ahead. Next slide, Brother Carl. So in John chapter 13, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So very similar to the verse that we just read before, but we have something a little, something a little tad inside of it. Love each other as I have loved you. There's a difference between our love and God's love. There's a... There's God's love is so much more than human love. Human love, a lot of the times, gets tied up with emotions, gets tied up with, um, gets misconstrued as lust a lot of the times too. And so it really got me thinking, how do, how do we show God's love? Like, I know how to love my fellow brother, but how do I show God's love? Because the love that God's shown me is worlds above the love that I can show somebody else. So how do I make the transition from showing a earthly love, from showing a Brandon love, to showing God's love to everybody else? In John chapter 15, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you, dear friends. And John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And so that, that starts us to get down to a path to where we can start to recognize and start to act on how to show God's love for one another. We have to realize the love that God's shown us is one of our first steps. Is We, have to, we really have to sit down and think about, you know, that, that time I was going through that situation, God prevailed. That, that was God's love for me. I didn't deserve that, but God prevailed for me. You know, two weeks later, he prevailed for me again. Two weeks later, he prevailed. And the next day, he prevailed. And so once we start building a foundation upon what God has done for us, it strengthens our faith inside of him. And so this brings us up to our next point. Go ahead, Brother Carl. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally, equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment. I threw this in here again because it is very important. I, I thought it was worth visiting twice. Um, 
There is no other greater commandment than to love your God and to love others. No other commandment is greater. So that is something that we sh as new Christians we should start to focus on. As old Christians, as seasoned veterans, you know, this is something that we should continually to re continue to remind ourselves of is that God told us to love him and love others. But sometimes that's really hard, especially in the day and the age that we live in right now. Love has been so misconstrued. Love has been so twisted. And it's been something that's, it, it's not a true representation of what love is. And so sometimes it's a very hard thing to do is to love somebody else because our view of love isn't close to what love actually is. And so... You know, I've ran across this myself a few times. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna love them. Like it, it's a little too hard. I know I ought to. I know I should be doing this, but we're we're just gonna leave that one up to God, and I'm just gonna walk away from the situation. But let me remind you of this, you guys. Go ahead, next slide, brother Carl. In James chapter four, remember it is sin to to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So by not loving our brothers and sisters, we are bringing judgment upon ourselves. We are bringing sin back into our life by not being obedient to what the word says. And as we read a few times, there is no other greater commandment. It is right there next to loving God. Love one another. It is a sin not to love your fellow brothers and your fe fellow sisters. So that poses the question, now that we know the severity of, all right, well, I know it's actually really important that I need to love my brothers and my sisters, but I don't know how to do that, Brandon. How? Please explain to me. How do you show love to somebody that you don't like? Trust me, I've, I've been there. I've walked it. It's not an easy thing. But we're going to go ahead and um, go to the next slide, and we'll start to get into that. And so I got a little ahead of myself, so I just wrote down a slide. We can um, go ahead and skip that slide, Brother Carl. Nope, you can stay right there. He's right on point. So Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Mm. What do you think that means, Sister Roseanne? Should that be our first step in our relationship? Should that be our first step in our relationship with God? No, love should be our first step to love Him. And then by loving Him, He shows us that He is the way, the truth, and the life. So, I, I agree with you on that. And when I read it in these terms and in, in this manner of thinking, is you know we're getting ready to learn that God is love and that we live that we live inside of God and God lives inside of us so we're getting ready to get into that but our first steps to understand what God's love is should be to accept God into our life God's love is a free gift and all we have to do is accept that free gift 
And all we have to do is accept Jesus as our Savior. All we have to do is accept God as our God. And once we make that step towards Him, He's going to entitle, make another step towards us because He's been sitting there waiting for us. He says, listen, I have this ticket to the chocolate factory. All you gotta do is take it and you can come into, you can come into this factory and you can see how things are ran. You, you can be a part of my kingdom. Here's your ticket. It costs nothing. I already paid for it with my blood. You don't have to give me anything. You don't have to trade anything with me. All you have to do is accept me. And so that should be our first step in learning how to love one another is accepting Lord into our life so he can start to work on us and he can start start to reveal to us on how to love one another. So go ahead. Next slide, Brother Carl. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to fullest expression in us. That is 1 John chapter 4. And then again in 1 John chapter 4, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This has been a staple. This has been a pillar in my own life. This has been the base of my foundation in my walk with God is 1 John chapter 4, verses 16. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So we have this triangle of love. We have this triangle of love, and if you know anything about geometry, a triangle is the strongest geographical shape. It's what they build bridges off of. It's the strongest structure, so it only fits that there's three parts inside of God's love. And so I know if I start to love one another, I'm going to grow in God and God's going to grow in me. And in return, when I'm going through struggles and I'm going through hard times, I can remember the connection that me and God share because of our love. I know that God's feeling what I feel right now because he lives inside of me and I live inside of him. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have a direct phone line to God that I can pick it up and dial it and ask for his advice. I can, you know, I can sit there and cry all night long because I have nobody else to cry to when I can't pray, when I can't form a word, when I'm so hurt and I'm so broken because of the love. He understands what my heart is aching for because he lives inside of me and I live inside of him and it all stems through love. And so we start to see just how important love plays inside of all of this. So we're going to go ahead and go to the, um, to the next slide. So we start by loving one another by building an intimate and deep relationship with God. Um, that's, that's really where, where it begins. You know, coming into the house of God on Sunday is fantastic. You should ask, absolutely be doing that. You know, all of these other things that we do are good. But what we should be focusing on is our relationship with God. Because Jesus was the great teacher. There's nothing that he can't teach us. We have our pastor here to help us along the way and help us guide us through all of this. And he's given us all of these tools. He's given all of us all of these resources to be able to, to use. But we can't grab a hold of those resources if we don't know that they're there. And so by building an intimate relationship with God, it brings us closer. It brings us comfort. It brings us peace. It brings us love. 
we feel his presence around us. We, we feel more comfortable to start to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. And so this should be your second step after you've, after you've accepted Lord into your life. Start to build that relationship with him. Because if I don't have a relationship with my kids, when they go off to school and come back and something's wrong, if I don't have an intimate relationship, a close relationship with my kids, they might be going through something. But because we don't have that relationship together, I'm not able to help them out in what's going on. I'm not able to start speaking life into them because we don't have this close relationship to where we have built trust, we have built faith in each other. And so that should be our second step is to continue to build our relationship with God. And so, but how do we do that? And so that's what we're about to get into next. Go ahead, next slide, Brother Carl. And Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with by with God by obeying the law. And so here we have a, here we have a great breakdown, a great overview, a quick like if I were to sum up Old Testament and New Testament, um, just in a quick little thing, this would be a great verse to refer back to. Is we look in the Old Testament, we have the law of Moses. And the law of Moses is there so we know what sin is and we can continue to learn and grow off of it. But we're inside of the new covenant now. We're underneath grace and mercy. And so grace and mercy is what God has sent our way. And faith is another aspect that draws us closer to him. Faith is something that we enact on our part. And this is a very big aspect of building an intimate relationship with God. Is actually putting your faith in Christ. Is actually allowing him to work. Because when we put faith in God in a situation that we're going through, it shows and says to him, all right, I don't have control over this situation, but I know you're the creator of all. I know all. I know every single spiritual attack that I'm under, undergoing right now, I know that you made those spiritual powers. I know that they're in place because of you. So I'm going to take my hand off of this and I'm going to put my faith in you that you're going to take care of my situation. And so as we start to put our faith in God, our faith becomes stronger because I've never once known God to fail. You know, I heard this quote by Steve Harvey one time that um, he basically just went off to say that my God's success rate is 100%, that he's never failed me. And I was like, you know, that's a really, that's a really good saying, Brother Carl. That's a really good saying. God's never failed. He's got a 100% success rate, but Steve Harvey was wrong. God doesn't have a 100% success rate. He has an unlimited success rate because, Sister Roseanne, he hasn't failed me. He hasn't failed you. He hasn't failed Brother Carl. He hasn't failed anybody on the other end of this camera. So we can go ahead and multiply that 100 by everybody. So it's not that my God has a 100% success rate. It's that he's got a zero failure rate. And by putting our faith in God, 
we're able, our eyes start to get open up to it. Once we, all right, once I finally took my hand out of that situation, that's when I saw my situation start to change. My faith in God started to allow him to move. I said, God, I give you the space. Lord, just let me watch you work. I know the victory is already won. You already humiliate, 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 humiliate. You already made these, you already won the victory. And you bought it with your blood. I don't have to fight it. So I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to stay in your word. I'm going to stay in prayer. And I'm going to continue to draw closer to you. So faith is another key aspect. Go ahead. Next um, slide, Brother Carl. So in Hebrews chapter 12, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion, the champion who entates our, and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, I love this, I love this scripture. One, it lets us know that our faith isn't perfect, but he will make it perfect. That we still have human emotions. We still have a brain that likes to overthink everything all the time and get messy and get in the way. And so it shows us that we're not perfect, but we will be, that our faith will be perfect, not because of us, but because of the joy that it's going to bring God. So once again, our faith isn't even in our hands. All we have to do is hand it over. Like all we had to do was accept him into our life. So we accept him into our life and then we hand everything else over. And then that's going to bring him so much joy that he's like, all right, we're gonna upgrade. We're gonna upgrade your faith. Brandon, I know a tree fell on your house, but before before that tree gets off of your house, you're going to have, a, instead of a trailer, you're going to have a house. Just put me in the middle of it. Let me work and watch watch what happens. And, I, you know, I've said this before. When I did that, I said, I was talking to the realtor. I was like, listen, I'll pay $13,000 up front so we can get into this house. I did not have $13,000 in my bank account. But as soon as I got off of the phone and she said, yeah, no, we can, we can get you in if you can pay six months in advance. We can get you moved in. I got off the phone and I, I, I got off the phone with her, went to my bank account, and there was the 13 grand from the IRS. The IRS gave me my money early. And so that alone is a miracle. Um, go ahead. Next slide, Brother Carl. James chapter 2. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Can a loud gong symbol save anybody, Sister Carl? Something that just making something that's just making a bunch of noise but has no effect. If we have somebody running up and down the up and down the streets protesting something but doesn't put any action into it and just folds right away. <clears throat> it holds no weight. It holds, it holds nothing. So I can sit here and say to you guys about how amazing faith is, how great faith is. You should put your faith in Christ. But if I don't do anything to show you guys that his faith is true, his faith will come through for you, 
then it means nothing. If I'm just using words to try to get you to believe something, I always grew up with um, a saying that I still hold very predominant in my household. Um, I tell my son this a lot of times now when I'm dealing with him and his sisters is, I don't want to hear you say sorry to your sister. I want to see that you're sorry to your sister. Go pick her up, give her a hug, and don't let me see you push her down again. Because he can, if you've ever dealt with toddlers, they'll say sorry a million times, but not mean it. And their little sister keeps getting pushed down. Say sorry to your sister. Sorry, sissy. Five minutes later, pushes them down. What, what value does that sorry hold? What value does that sorry hold? But when my son says, I'm sorry, Layla, picks her up, gives her a hug, dust, dust the dust off of her butt and her legs and everything like that, grabs the toy, gives it back to him, and then is gentle with him, now his sister knows that he was actually sorry. That I don't have to start throwing toys at him when he's asleep now. Because she loves to do that. She, she, she doesn't forget these things. And so, faith without actions is just a loud clanging symbol. It's just something saying, hey, look at me, everybody. I've got all the faith in the world. Hey, look at my relationship. Look at what's going on with me. But if there's no action behind it, it's, it, it's a very thin veil. It's something that's just seen through. It's something that holds no, no possession to it. It holds no merit to it. And so you have to enact on your faith. You have to actually put yourself in a position to allow God to work inside of it. Because I can sit here and say I have faith that I'm going to... I'm going to go get this job that's a quarter million dollar job that, you know, I've been, I, I've been following along with and, you know, the guy reached out to me, he called me, he said that the job's mine, but if I don't follow up with that customer, if I don't go out there and give him an estimate, if I don't get him price of labor, if I don't get him the price of paint, if I don't do all of this groundwork to say, hey, yes, we can get this job done. Like, here, here's your spread out. Here's your estimate. It's going to cost you X, Y, and Z to get this done. If we run into this problem, it's going to cost you an extra this amount. And here are the options that we can do in order to take care of that. So by me putting action and putting something actually behind me saying, yes, I can get that job for you, that job done for you, sir. But if I show up and say, here's your estimate, here's this, here's how long it's going to take, here's the estimate for all of this other stuff, there's a lot more weight. There's a lot, it's a lot more convincing if I show up when I've done, when I've actually put effort into it instead of just saying, yeah, this looks good, we'll go ahead and get it done for and so, faith without actions, it, it doesn't really produce much. Go ahead, um, next slide, Brother Carl. So now we gotta learn about faith a little bit, and this was just a little description of faith that I brought up. Faith is a key aspect of our relationship with Christ. It is one way we show how much we love Him. We, when we walk in faith, it shows how much trust we have in him to handle what's going on in our lives. We know how much he loves us, so we can have great faith that he will always have his hand on us. 
And then if we accompany our faith with worship, if I praise him for already giving me that job because I live on a promise, if I already thank him beforehand, that just, it enacts the faith. It's, it's, if you've ever worked with like two-part glues or epoxies, you have two parts. You have, you have your epoxy, then you have your activator. I view worship as a large portion of an activator for our faith. I feel like when I sit here and I don't let my circumstance dictate how I worship God, because I have faith in God that he's going to work it out, this is where my action comes into play on God's part. You know, we have action that we can take to show, show everybody else how walking in faith can produce these results and produce this closer relationship with us. We've seen that in this church time and time and time again when we've put our faith in God. We've watched people grow. You know, great friend of mine sat up on the platform and taught this path two Sundays ago. Somebody that nobody in this church thought would ever preach inside of this church. Because of his faith in God, he's been brought to a ministry position. He's been He's been called to do great and wonderful things. And so his faith in God has produced such a stronghold in his life that when he worships, it activates it. It shows God that I'm not just saying I have faith in you. I'm going to already give you the praise that you deserve because I know what you're doing in my life, though I don't see it with my own eyes, is already done. I already know you have the victory, so I'm going to start worshiping you now because you already have the victory in the situation. And when we start to worship God, it brings us closer to God because if we look at the biggest thing that drove somebody away from God, it was, it was on the topic of worship. And who we're talking about is that pesky little devil. Is he wanted the worship God was receiving. He wanted all of the worship that God was receiving. He got so jealous over all of that worship that he got sent out of heaven. That God's like, no more. I'm not having this. I'm not having this. You, you go to earth. You can take as many of those angels that want to follow you with you. They're, they're not mine. They're not mine now. They're yours. Go ahead. Take them with you. So we see the biggest divide inside of the kingdom of heaven was worship. And so I'm going to give all of my worship because if it's a big enough topic to get one of the most beautiful angels casted out of heaven, that is not a light topic. So my worship's going to God. And when I put my worship in God, I feel like for me personally, that's me showing action on my faith. That's me backing my faith up to God. And so go ahead to the next slide, Brother Carl. We, we work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And so now we're, now we're stepping into another portion on how we can grow closer with God. Um, you know, we accepted him into our life. And now we started to put our faith in him to allow him to show himself prevalent in our life. And so now the next step is, I hear, I hear this a lot of times, Brother Carl. I hear it a lot of times. I don't know what God's will for me is. I don't know what God's will is. Well, are you studying the Word? 
If we break this down in 2 Timothy, this is basically saying, study to show yourself approved. Do not live your life upon what other people told you who I am. Find out for yourself through the word who I am. I know a lot of people who have been disappointed in God because they have not studied the Bible to find out who God is. They did not build a relationship with God to personally know God. They went off of what some some YouTube pre preacher, or I'm, I'm not knocking on you YouTube preachers, but they went off of what somebody else said God should be. And when what that other person didn't happen because it was not... It was not of God. It caused this big problem inside of their life because they took man's word over the Bible on what on who God is, what his character is, what he's going to do for you. They relied on somebody else's relationship with God to be their relationship with God. And when that other person's relationship with God didn't come through to them, come through for them in their time of need. They were disappointed. They were hurt because that was not their relationship with God. They did not study and they did not they they did not study to the point where they could correctly explain the word of truth. Word of truth is the Bible. And so we know that in the beginning the word was with God and and the word was God. And we also know that his word is to, is the true today, tomorrow, and forever. His word's never going to change. So his will for us as a whole was the same when he was dealing with the children of Israel as it is today when he's dealing with the children of 2023. And it will be the same when he's dealing with the children of 2024. It'll be the same when, it'll be the same for generations. It will never change. So we can get into his word to figure out his characteristics, to figure out who God is for ourselves, so we can continue to grow that relationship. Because I don't, if you're in a relationship and you're not putting effort in to figure out who that other person is, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. You're not going to have a strong relationship. You're not going to be able to know whether she's just ate some bad food or if you should go sleep on the couch the night before, that night. There, there's no intimate connection. And so we get to find out who God is through his word. And so if we just sit down and read the word and get involved in the Bible and you know, you don't have to go into all of the Greek terminology. You don't have to go into all of the root words of everything because you've already made a relationship with the author of the book. This is what I tell everybody when people want to have arguments about, well, NIT isn't Old King James Version. Old King James Version is the closest thing to the original Greek Hebrew Bible. Well, that's fine. God said some things are going to make sense to others, and it's not, and it won't to other people. And so I'm just going to have a relationship with the author, and when I come across a scripture that I don't fully understand, I can go to God for the explanation, because I know the one who entitled it. I know the one who put the knowledge into all of the apostles who wrote it. I, I can talk to the person who wrote the book, so I don't care about how many years, how many times the Bible has changed, this or that. I know the author of it. 
And so by having the relationship and knowing the author, there's nothing confusing about the Bible. If you run across something that you don't understand, he gave us the Holy Spirit and he gave us a phone line directly to God. So we can always figure out what these things are that we need revelation inside of the scriptures are because we know the author of the book. Go ahead. Um, next slide, Brother Carl. So, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That is James chapter 4. So, who are, who are, who are you really putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in the world, or are you putting your faith in God? You know, what, what I take from this scripture is God will come, come close to you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So I view it as every step I take, I'm getting two steps closer to God. Because I'm not the only one in this relationship. I'm not the only one in this partnership. For every step that I take closer to God, God's entitled going to make another step towards me. So he has given us free will. He has given us choice to love him. He has given us a choice to follow him. And so would he want, does he want to just swoop you up and take care of you? Absolutely. But he gave you free will. He gave you free will to do as you want. Love, love insists of your actions. I can't just say, I can't just have God take care of me and then say, I love you, God. I have to actually show God that I love him. For every step that I take, he's going to take a step. So if I take two steps, he's going to take two steps more. And so when we accompany accepting him as our savior, once we start to build this relationship with him, once we start to start to read our Bibles, now we can start to pray. That's another step that we can take is we can start actually having conversations with God. You know, you don't have to sit down and do a Hail Mary. You don't have to pray the Father's Prayer all the time. There's a lot of times that I'm just sitting in my bed at the middle, in the middle of night and praying and talking with God. My prayer is a talk, Lord. You know, this is going on in my life right now. I don't see how you're going to get me out of this. I'm, I'm being straight up honest with you, God. I know you're going to get me out of this, but I don't see how. It's causing me to be anxious. It's causing depression in my life right now. It's causing this. It's causing that. And so when we sit there and pray, it's having communication with God. It's, we shouldn't be going to God to fix our problems, and that's the only time that we pray to him. That's not a healthy relationship. If the only time that I pray to God is when I have a problem I want him to fix, what kind of love is that? What kind of love does it say that I'm only going to call you when I'm in need? I don't want to call you when I'm having a good day and let you know that, hey, God, you know, I, I, I got that job today. I, I got a raise at my work today. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. We, we need to stay in constant communication with God. And so when we, when we come before him humbly and thank him for all that he's done in our life, it just solidifies all of that. And so go ahead. Next slide, Brother Carl. And so prayer is another good aspect, another, 
another path that we should be going down every single day to draw us closer to God. Then in Matthew chapter 21, then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, I already hear it. Well, I prayed for a million dollars and I didn't receive it. Well, maybe God knew if you had a million dollars that you were going to blow it and you were going to put yourself in three times worse position than what you were actually in. And does that million dollars align with God's word? You know, there's a couple variables that we're dealing with here. But there's something that always stuck out to me about these verses. I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt. So when I read that, it tells me that there's people that have faith but have doubt that it's not going to work out. And so they really misconstrue. They're putting on a fake facade and saying, God, I have faith that you're going to take care of this, but you really still have your hand in it and you're really still trying to take care of it. Because you don't believe that God's going to actually take care of it for you. You don't believe that he's going to fix, fix the problem that's going on. You don't think that he's going to come through. So we have to get rid of the doubt. How do you get rid of the doubt? You get rid of the doubt by not starting with something that seems impossible. You start off with something smaller. Lord, my baby girl has been crying nonstop. For four hours tonight, it's three o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept. She needs to go to sleep. We've dedicated her to you. She is your daughter. Would you please come down and comfort her so we can get some sleep, so we can get some rest, so we can go about tomorrow healthy? He does it. All right, now you have something that you can start to build off. Start start your faith with something small and allow it to start to grow. Because like we said, God has a 100% success rate. But where we fail in that is our expectation of things. We think that when we ask God to do something, that it's just going to happen right away. That's not always the case. It might take... You know, as a dyslexic, this verse always kind of frustrated me. It says that a thousand days is one day and one day is a thousand days unto God. And as a dyslexic, I'm like, well, which one is it, God? Is it a thousand days or is it one days? But it just goes to show that he's always going to come through to, for you, but he's not going to come through to, for you just how you thought he was going to and during the time period that you think that it should be done. So if we start off with something smaller, it allows us to start to grow our faith in a much larger way. And then another key aspect for this is you can pray for anything. If you have faith, you will receive it. So now we've built this relationship with Christ. Now, we've, now, now we have our faith in God. We can pray for him to show us how to love one another. Um, it says, it talks about a righteous man's prayer has power. It talks about you can ask and you will not be rebuked. You know, I've been in, I've been in situations dealing with family members that I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to love them anymore. I don't know how to love them. Can you please show me what I'm supposed to be doing right now in order 
to love them? Can you please show me how to share your love with one another right now? Because I'm on, I'm on the beginning of my journey with you. And I went through my training course. We, you know, we've been talking, but all of this is still very new to me. Can you help me out with this? This is what this verse is saying. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. And so if we pray, Lord, I need you to help me show your love unto this world. That's something that pleases him. It's something that aligns with scripture. It's something that he can take delight in so we can have absolute faith that he's going to help us. He's going to work on us and we're going to receive what we prayed for. All right, go ahead. Next slide, Brother Carl. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is, um, this is something that also is a strong foundation for me personally, is the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you guys, um, are, if you guys are a little foggy on what righteousness is, you guys can go back to our My Love podcast. Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, on, I believe, just about all of those, um, all, all of those sites, and Pastor did an amazing series on explaining righteousness. And so, prayers of a righteous person produces wonderful <coughs> I'm looking for wonderful results. Like, I, I don't want to have crappy results. I want, I, I want some outstanding, I want wonderful results. So that's something else that we can start to set a goal for. So for every step that we take, we know that if we start living a more righteous lifestyle, which, by the way, we were crowned with righteousness, and our crown is an inheritance to us. It's something that we can obtain. That if we become, if we start living in a more righteous manner, that our prayers are going to have better results. And in James chapter 5, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so, always be, always be joyful. I know that's a hard task to do. Well, Brandon, your car's not getting towed, you're not behind on rent, you don't have all this other stuff going on, but you're still here. Are, are you six feet under? No, you're still here. He's still working inside of your life. So be joyful. I know the circumstance is crap right now, but that's but we, we have a God fighting for us. It's already been bought. It's already been purchased. Our, our record's been wiped. My name's in the book of life. Be joyful for that. There's always aspects where I have to remind myself that if we were to turn off all the lights in the church right now, and if I were to hold a lighter up right here, everybody inside of the church would see that little bit of light in the midst of all of the dark. We, it, it could be pitch black, and I couldn't see two feet in front of me. But if I, if I turned on a lighter, everybody inside of the church would be able to see that light. There is always something. There is always a bit of light that we can focus on. 
we read just a while back about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. When things don't seem so joy joyful, focus on Jesus. Get in your Bible. Start praying. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by the things that aren't producing joy in your life. Never stop praying. We should always be in constant communication with the Lord. You know, it's... If... World War II would have gone a completely different way if we didn't have radios and the generals weren't in communication. Our jobs would go would be much harder if we did not have communications. When I do a subcontracting job, if I don't communicate with the person that I'm subcontracting for, things can become very hairy and go very wrong. If I don't talk to Joe down the street when his son's birthday party is and I show up on Sunday and the party was on Saturday now my kids disappointed because we don't have because there hasn't been any communication so if we keep in con constant communication we're in constant relationship with Christ and be thankful in all circumstances because you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ he paid some he paid he paid all of your debt he took care of you. He gave he he gave his blood. Something that is such the rarest commodity in this world is Christ's blood. There is nothing that is more rare, more precious, or more that is bought more than his blood. And he spilt his blood for me so I can be joyful in all times because I had somebody pay a price that nobody else there's only one person in this in this universe that could have ever paid for me to be free and that was my Lord and he chose to pay for me and so I can always be thankful for that when things are when things are getting hard when things are getting discouraging I can remember what God has done for me because I've built this relationship with him. I'm in constant prayer with him. I've accept, accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. I've put my faith into him. I've seen the fruit that it started producing inside of my life. And because I accepted him as my Savior and I've started to build a relationship with him through all of these steps... Now I can look back at what I went through last year and I can see how much God loved me and how many times he had his hand on my situation because I took that step closer to him and he took a step closer to me. So now I'm, I'm able to joyfully look back on all of the bad circumstances that I've went through and see the light inside of it and see how much God has loved me. And so now I can really start to see and I can start to understand God's love because I've built this relationship. I can see, I can see that God loves somebody who is an alcoholic, who is, who watched porn, who was on over tw seven, eight different drugs on, in one night. And this lasted for years, you guys. I can see somebody who's done, who's been dirty, who's been drugged through the mud. And I can see that God still loved that person because that person was me. So if God can love me when I went through all of this, I surely ought to be able to love somebody else because I know what he's done for me. And so how do I express this love to everybody else? I let my light shine. 
and my, my light gets a lot brighter when I realize what he's done for me. So next slide, Brother Carl. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Key word right there, you guys, went as usual. When, it's, when we hear the word usual, that means he's done it more than one time. It's been a routine. Oh, he's usually at, you know, it used to be, oh, Brandon's usually at the bar at 7 o'clock on a Friday night. Oh, Brandon's usually doing whatever at this time. It means it's, it's a ritual. It's something that happens repetitively. As usual to the Mount of Olives, there he, held, there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done. So, Right here is a very interesting fact. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He, he didn't want to go through everything that he was about to go through, you guys. He didn't want to be whipped. He didn't want to be hung on a cross. He didn't want to be beaten by soldiers. He didn't want to be ridiculed. He didn't want to have to go through all of this pain and all of this misery that he was about to go through. But he says, yet I want your will to be done. So if we put God's will before what we want done and put our faith into him and be obedient, we can see the final results of what that produces. So next slide, Brother Carl. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. We can't fully understand our love, his love, but by, with these steps, we can start to understand deeply. We can start to understand more deeply. We can start to see more fullness of life in it, and we can see the power of God starting to work inside of our lives. And it all starts with, with that first step. Next, next slide, Brother Carl. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves surely. You know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Test your faith sometimes. I've had to test my love before. I've had to sit myself down in situations and say, you know, do I like this person? No. Do I, am I happy with this person? No. Do I agree with this? Blah, yada, yada. But do I hate this person? No, I don't hate this person. Because we know if we hate, if we hate a fellow brother or sister, we are not, we are not alive. And so there's, we're told to self-check a lot of times. So self-check the love that he's shown you. Self-check the love that you're showing others. Constantly, constantly keep monitoring the growth that you're going through. Because once we know the growth that we've made, we can we can set our eyes we can set our eyes on a higher goal. Next slide, brother Carl. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor neither our fears for today nor our about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. This is Romans chapter 8. Now, I love this scripture, but uh, 
I do disagree with it just a little bit. There is one thing that can separate us from God's love. And that's our choice to love him. He's not going to force us to love him. He is not going to force all of these things upon us. It is our choice if we're going to love God. So that is the only thing that can separate us from God's love is the decision we make, whether we're going to grow in his love, if we're going to accept him, or if we're not going to accept him. And so I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed this today. Um, this was part one of part two. So I hope everybody has a good night and 